0: time for another wrestling podcast all right all right
1: all right
2: are you fucking kidding me
1: guys i got blocked again on twitter
2: i'm your mark of marks that's the most reliable source on the interwebs the social assassin at your disposal bitches all right
0: all right right. welcome to episode 237 now we're talking i'm your mark marks
2: credo I'm a social assassin, angry cooter, at your disposal, bitches. And I'm back from Parts Unknown. I'm
1: um, Minority Mike here. What's the fucking roll.
2: Parts Unknown? I get douche chills whenever somebody says that. Also known as
0: Parts Captain Unknown. America. It's you ladies in Poughkeepsie out there on Halloween
1: season. Uh, yeah, I ran around in my Captain America outfit. I got some pretty uh, interesting stories, but that's, that's for the... Um, you know, Patreon uh,
0: account, baby. Patreon.
1: Patreon. <laughs> uh, guys, Let's rock and roll. So, BMF title. Let's
0: go. <laughs> BMF man. So I'm confused. So I like I don't know the history of UFC championships. I know there was like a featherweight, a lightweight, a heavyweight, or whatever weight. I don't know. Uh but so like it wasn't too weird for me to wear just to hear about it. I was like, oh BMF, bad motherfucking title, right? So I was like, alright, that's cool. But then I'm like, wait a minute. Are they like turning into the WWE? What's happening? Is this their twenty four seven championship? I'm confused about the BMF title. Somebody explain it.
1: All right. So basically, and and Cooter will definitely relate to this. Nate Diaz and Hoy Masvidal, for those people who don't know, those are two bad motherfuckers. Yes. Those those guys will go to war. They do a lot of trash talking and they back it up in the ring. I mean, you really, a guy like Nate Diaz, I think you have to shoot him in the head in order to stop him. Unless you're a New York doctor, but we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, (laughs) But uh, basically, Nate Diaz called out Hory Mass He said there's no gangsters in this sport except for Hory Massville, but he ain't no West Coast gangster. That was the exact quote. Yes. The internet took that by storm. And then they were going back and forth on Twitter, and Hory Masswall just said, let's make this happen and let's put let's just make a BMF title and fight for that. That internet that right there blew up. Dana White saw that and was like, hey, I have to sell out the garden let's fucking do this because let's face it right now i mean i love the ufc but they are not doing that well financially i mean they don't have a conor mcgregor putting asses in seats they don't have they got nothing they got no stars they're building stars right now they're the wwe back in like 95 when they're in that that young generation trying to build and that that's where they are right now so the BMF they basically put created the bmf title and it sold out the garden And I I was fully invested into this. I I thought it was amazing. Or did The Rock sell out the Garden?
0: Did anybody know?
1: (laughs) I'll tell you something like this. I mean, every this is different. It's the MMA fans. I mean, a lot of the MMA fans were cool to see The Rock, but I don't think they cared that much that it was The Rock. I think if, just like Nate Diaz said, I think if anybody should have brought that title out, should have been Mike Tyson, because that's the the baddest motherfucker right there. Especially in the Garden. Uh, Yeah, especially. But the BMF title, the, the fight was great up until the, the championship rounds and the refs stopped it because of a, a cut that Diaz had that wasn't even that bad, in my opinion. I mean, it was a bad cut, but I've seen him at worse.
0: If you're going to win the BMF title, there should be a bloodbath.
1: Don't stop it. for uh, It should be the baddest motherfucker, right? So you got to prove yourself. And Nate Diaz is the type of guy, too, um, for those listeners who don't know, who don't follow MMA. I mean, he was getting owned for the first three rounds. But when you get into those championship rounds, those fourth and five rounds, that's when Nate Diaz really turns it up. So Nate Diaz, you know, something could have possibly happened there. I, I don't necessarily think he would have beat all but anything can happen, especially with a guy like Diaz. There's, there's always Man, money in the I... rematch.
2: Yeah, well, that ain't happening. Don't no rematch ain't happening.
1: <laughs> and, and, and I got
2: my own suspicions, man. I smell conspiracy, but that's just me because I can't stand New York. I You know, there's just certain stars that New York is loyal to, and that kind of maybe puts the kibosh on a certain fight. But, you know, I, I think because of this, you're not getting a Diaz-McGregor 3. I'll
1: tell you this. From experience, the New York State Athletic Commission is the most sensitive and most annoying commissions to deal with out of any state I've ever fought for. They are like literally, if any, like, if you're not, if you're having trouble making weight, any states will kind of bend the rules a little bit. New York State, they are just so, because they're just so new into the game that they're just so hardcore with everything. That cut, if this fight was happening in Vegas, that fight would have continued. So they are strict,
0: they been- are strict too with pro wrestling, because I know when they do yeah. shows at Poughkeepsie, like, there's got to be mats down, there's got to be, you know, oh, yeah. like, to the T of, uh, you know, they got to cross their T's, dot the Rise, and they don't fool around. That's why nobody likes doing anything in New York. Because I don't so think they strict. know
2: what the fuck they're doing. If that was a boxing match, there's no way it would have been stopped. No fucking way.
1: Man. Oh, because they got the standing eight counts and all that shit in boxing. I mean. Conspiracy
0: theory. Well, either way, welcome, guys. I do want to say, stay tuned because... Terry Runnels is going to be joining JB. She's back. We're having her on again. Uh, If you didn't know, she was doing Cigar Scars and Superstars, but it's on a new platform, if you will. It's on DLive.TV. You can find her at the Terry Runnels. So check her on over there uh check her out over there she's uh she's doing like a live webcam shows and stuff so it's uh it's pretty
2: good not like sunny but like
0: sunny not not like sunny she has more class terry i think has more class so (laughs) uh definitely check her out but she will be joining us later talking and uh if you didn't tune in she kind of already did the show so when jonathan did the interview with her it was streaming live on her show so some of the fans over there got to hear like a live awp if you will interview and uh now you get to kind of hear the replay on this one. But either way, we're, we're happy to have Terry back on. Uh, guys, a lot of things have happened since Mike's been out. Uh, Cooter, we talked up the Crown Jewel. And then it happened. Uh, then, then there's plane problems and so on and so forth. Let's kind of get some two cents out of this. What do you guys think about it overall? And is it is it? Is it worth the trouble of that that it was? Or I mean, I feel like the two heavily promoted matches were the two duds of the night. Uh, can, can we go into that? Because it, it, this was supposed to draw them in. This was supposed to draw the fans in. This is... They duds. made... Was it? I mean, out of Kane I, Velasquez, I loved, two minutes? Come on.
2: I loved it. I the count it out perfect. by Tyson Fury? Come oh, come on. I mean, come on. Why come are you on. whining? You're, you're going to be that guy? I was you very...
0: You did not like it. Come on.
2: I I was thoroughly entertained by that entire. Fuck Are you, you Crito? not entertained. And you know what? Go go back to the fucking to the group chat. You know which should uh you know only be seen by the three of us. And I was saying, dude, you know what, Tyson Fury. Not looking too bad. I mean, he's looking pretty good. He did a hell of a lot more than I, than we all thought he was going to actually do. He was gassed. He actually wrestled a, a fucking match. What's that? He was gassed. He was out. He was out of breath. Oh, you're gassed. You're fucking gassed. <laughs> fucking talk. I think,
0: it should have been, been a boxing match.
1: I think Tyson match. Fury needs a little more time at the PC. I think I, think Honestly, I think this whole thing was rushed with Tyson Fury. I think that's something that you give him a little more time training and he'll be better. I didn't think he was terrible. I didn't think he was amazing. I didn't think he was that great. I mean, right. there's a lot of spots that he botched. I loved his entrance though. I well, thought that was a great entrance.
0: Yeah. yeah. Cooter, you said, you know, uh, I, I think we talked about this last week too, though. I mean, he did a wrestling match and I, I guess there was ways to protect him. So you didn't get hurt for boxing, but even if they did like a boxing, you know, whatever kind of match to where they, it wasn't exactly real. If it was, you know, worked boxing match. all Yeah. Do you think that would have been better for him? I mean, I don't exactly. know. I, didn't, I don't think I wanted to even see him in a wrestling match. I figure, like, use his gimmick. He's a boxer. Make him box uh, Braun. right? I don't know. I'll
1: tell you this right <sighs> now. The fact. The fact that I think the reason why they just threw him in their wrestling match, because it was talked about all over ESPN. Mm. I listened to Sirius XM Fight Nation, like the Luke Thomas show, MMA Tonight, all that stuff. That's all they talked about was Tyson Fury. All the boxing channels on, on Sirius XM, they talked about this match in Saudi Arabia with Tyson Fury. People that weren't fans of professional wrestling actually tuned in to watch Tyson Fury Wrestle. Do Brock a shot every
2: he time he insane. says Tyson Fury. <laughs> Tyson Fury. <theory. laughs> you, you know I, what? We've seen a lot worse fucking cameos from, you know, stars from outside sports. In that fucking that That is true. For a first time, for a first match on a big stage like that, he really didn't do that bad. You got to give the man some credit. Sure. As for Cain Velasquez, everyone's like, "Oh, you know, fuck, what? are you laughing at?" I don't have a problem with it. No, you listen, his fight, his fight with Brock didn't go much longer. But let's be fucking. Let's be very honest. They, 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 they tried to work that match as if it was an MMA, you know, fight. And and I didn't have a problem with. It. They played to Cain Velasquez's strengths. You know, they made it look more like a shoot fight. And you know what? He got a he got a little bit of a knockdown there. It looked like he was going to finish the fight, and they did. They told the great story. Brock went for that fucking knee, kicked that knee out from under him, the injured one, caught him in the kimura. Tapped him. I don't have a problem with that. It's a hell of a lot longer than Kofi Kingston last. Hey, give Brock Lesnar some credit. He went in there and did more than just a fucking F5. But no, you still want to sit there and bitch like a little girl. I like I actually,
1: it. Actually, I, I agree with Cooter. I, I actually enjoyed it. Oh, because I come from the MMA world, so it kind of looked like a sparring match. And, you know, Kane with those high head kicks, you know, they, they look so oh, perfect. Yeah. And in the way he just caught Lesnar right in the head and Lesnar fall. Like, that happens in MMA with those head kicks. This
0: is an MMA. It's pro wrestling. I want more but... than two minutes out <laughs> oh, of yeah. my well,
2: opener you know what? match. Those kicks looked a hell of a lot better than watching fucking rabbit punches from Shane McMahon. would to you true. say?
1: Yeah, that's
0: I,
2: true.
1: I, I got to say, I said this a couple weeks before. i said it again. I think Fox, they, they want that sports-like feel. And yeah. that match, we got a sports-like kind of a competition right there. That is true.
0: Uh, And and what's funny is I read after is like, how much did Brock make for his two minutes out there? Uh, I'm trying to look up the exact numbers because it was just it was like one point five million or something, some ridiculous thing, like number. I'm like, man, I really wish like, like, how do you become Brock Lesnar's lifestyle? Like kick some guys, kick some people's asses, become the heavyweight champion of UFC and then just fucking go to the WWE, and make millions of dollars for every match. Like, oh, and you get to no, go you know home
2: what? right after your fight. Look at that. You know, Not on, it, your own,
0: on your own jet <laughs> where you don't get held time. over.
1: We got, we got time. We're gonna get you in the gym. You already got the height. <laughs> we're gonna get you Dude. some juice, some steroids. I'm gonna beef you up, and we're just gonna send you. And you're just gonna start suplexing motherfuckers. I'll guys, teach you I'll, how to suplex, dudes. We'll, and, then, we'll, and then just take it from there. We're
0: gonna split the money, guys. We're gonna be, uh, we're going to have our own entourage. It'll be, it'll be great. We'll be living off of my fightings, my earnings. We got this, guys. But yeah, yeah
1: you have Cooter. Cooter will be your Paul Heyman.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> the that's fantastic. Team, I love it. We're doing it, guys. We're, we're the package deal right here. Uh, now, what did, what did you think about all the Saudi plane problems? Because I know it's... Mike, what is it from? The interweb's talking, right? It's a lot of hearsay. Uh, I don't know if, like, there's WWE wrestlers texting their friends so that they will se- tell somebody. I doubt that happens. But, like, there's a lot of hearsay. A lot of reporters know here, have sources or whatever within the WWE. But, like... I feel like we're never going to know what really happened. And then there was a whole thing backstage where Vince, they had a staff meeting and what uh, I think the guys from busted open were saying, or Meltzer was saying that uh, Seth Rollins is having a rah-rah speech uh, of trying to like, you know, don't, don't tell people what exactly happened or something. I don't know. What did you think about these plane problems? Because I, it was just like one big conspiracy theory that Vince cut the feed 40 minutes. It was like a 40 minute delay for people in Saudi Arabia. I'm like, what is going on? And then the next night they sign like a new deal to 2027. So it's like you hear from all these different sides of conspiracy theories and whatnot. What do you guys believe?
1: Well, I I heard uh, Corey Graves on his podcast speak about this. And he just kind of said that all the rumors that we've heard are just from his understanding are completely false and everything all the you know I, I read stuff on the interwebs that you know the Saudi police told people to get off the plane. I read other things that uh, apparently Vince just booked it and abandoned everybody. I, I read so much stuff. Uh, Corey Graves pretty much made it clear that you know after every show, Vince is always the first person to leave regardless of what day of the week it is. He's always out the door on his jet and gone. So that's basically what happened. In Saudi he was out the door on the jet and gone. If that's how it played out, I wasn't there. I don't know, but that's what someone that was there said. Um, he also talked about the – I don't know if you guys saw that the hashtag, the not top 20 or the top 20 hashtag that a lot of superstars were saying. Um, basically, they took the top 20 guys and put them on another charter flight and fl- tried to get them out of there as soon as possible. Um, apparently, from what Corey Graves said – they took the people that were advertised for SmackDown the next day and tried to get him out of there as soon as possible. And I guess that wasn't communicated to a lot of the other guys, so that just caused a riff. A lot of people were talking about the Saudi government held everybody up. Honestly, in cooter, we talked about this. I think if, if the Saudi government really wanted to hold you up, <laughs> I, I think you wouldn't be home anytime soon.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, come on. This is all a bunch of bullshit. What, what did I say in the chat, boys? What did I say? It's probably some AEW virgin fanboy who fucking made some shit up. It's what it sounds like to me. I hate mm-hmm. saying it like that, but hey, you know what? You know, fucking rumors are just rumors. And you know what? If it was really, like Mike said, if it was really a problem, there's no way they would have been leaving that country, period. Vince would to Vince come home with his head in the box.
0: Yeah, there, there's a lot of great stories. I mean, I'm, just, I'm looking at Forbes.com uh, right now, not to plug anything, but I mean, I'm just reading a whole article about how uh, a lot of people, they're changing like the payday for wrestlers out there, uh, and it's saying, you know, following the controversy – uh, from Crown Jewel, a slew of major names including Roman Reigns, Kofi Kingston, Braun Strowman reportedly told Vince that they will not be going back to Saudi Arabia. Uh, I, there's a lot of – that's just like one story from a, ma- a major site. I mean there's a lot of things going out there of what's, what people are doing or what's going on. But literally they announced the next night after all this controversy uh, – and I'm not going to go through the whole deal. But long story short saying something that they're going to partner with them until 2027 doing shows. And I mean it's up to like at least twice a year. This is going to become part of WWE now until 2027. I mean, if they're getting a lot of money out there, but if this really happened and it was such a big deal, the next show they do, uh, who knows, uh, middle, I don't know, after WrestleMania next year or whenever they're going to do it, if a lot of people don't go, if a lot of superstars pull out, then I feel like it's more legitimate about something that happened. But if these superstars Uh. pull out, is, is the crown jewel going to be the b
2: team is NXT main event no, I was going to say it's going to be main evented by Sin Cara and fucking <laughs> they're no, they're just
1: they're just going to get the one guy from NXT that he doesn't wrestle on any NXT shows or any main roster shows he's only he only wrestles on the Saudi shows what is it, Mansar Man-s- Mansar Ma- Ma- Mansour Mansour yeah he, he doesn't yeah. wrestle on anything else he just wrestles on the Saudi cards hey, hey, hey Jordan Miles I know that-
2: it's going to be Jordan versus Jordan Miles, exactly. You beat me to
0: it. <laughs> Jordan Miles, I know we've been through a rough me patch. You
2: you motherfucker! You. J-
0: Jordan Miles, I know we've been through a rough patch, but listen, buddy, I think you're ready to main <laughs> event, and just wait for it in Saudi Arabia. Come on now, right? <laughs> I can see it now. Anyway, uh, well, let's not get into Jordan you Miles. Imagine but, uh... <laughs> that. Oh man. Regardless, we don't know what happened, but there's a lot of stuff that's going on. But it's, I think, the next trip. The next the Saudi Arabia event that they announced, that's when you have to really kind of see who's not going and how they're going to actually build this because they're going to probably pay, pay $50 million to uh, Hogan and Flair to fucking have one last match or some shit out there. Uh, regardless, guys, uh, Survivor Series, though, is shaping up. It's now going to have NXT featured this year. So NXT versus Raw versus SmackDown. With that whole plane controversy, we saw NXT step it up on Friday night SmackDown. And honestly, guys... That was the best SmackDown I seen in a while. I didn't mind seeing these NXT guys on SmackDown. It gave them that platform to people who aren't watching on Wednesdays, maybe being like, "Who's this? Who's that?" Like, you know, it it put them, you know, right in center of the the Fox audience, I guess, if you want to say, of NXT. Uh, what happened? I mean, bravo to them though for, you know, the show must go on. You know, a lot of these guys that were stuck in Saudi Arabia or whatnot they were able to fly these guys and I, from what I understand it was last minute too. Like they literally just arrived at the arena right before Shayna went out there and SmackDown and beat up a uh, Bailey and all that stuff. So uh, they weren't there all day training and practicing, you know what I mean? So it was like a lot of last minute stuff, but they did it. Uh, what did you guys think about this? And are you excited for survivor series? Now that Sur- now that NXT is a part of the fold.
2: The greatest thing for me uh, with a lot of the NXT guys is proof that not every little thing needs to be micromanaged and scripted. Mm. So when you see somebody like Tommaso Ciampa go out there and, and make The Miz stutter on his words without a fucking script in front of him, oh my God, that was some damn good fucking <laughs> television. I'm just saying, you know, The Miz is somebody who, who always seems unflappable on the mic, like uh, like kind of how John Cena was. and And here we are, you know, some new blood, Coming in there, fucking cutting a promo, and you know, getting somebody choked up a little bit. Uh, just, just not only on the mic, but in the ring. All these guys, they're just top notch. They're hungry, and that's that's what the main roster seems to be missing, from from my perspective. Is just people who are hungry, who want to be on TV. Wanted to be the best at every aspect of wrestling business.
0: Speaking of best, uh, how about Adam Cole? Fucking main eventing SmackDown, main Ooh. eventing Raw, and main eventing NXT. What a what a week for him, man! I mean, uh, it, that's I, I mean that's why he has the championship. The man st- can step it up. He could face anybody, kind of th- on any show or whatever. I, I keep laughing in the back of my head though because literally we had the draft. Everybody's going to be separated rosters, and now they're like a week later. There's invasion that they're invading each other's shows. This all like, this
1: happening. <laughs> I, was I like, saw this happen. No, we too. just
0: had the draft, and I was like, one week went by where everybody was on the shows, and then boom, next week. I'm like, well, yeah, it's, it's only been a I week. I
2: literally said that too. I was like, you know <laughs> what, man? Because it, historically, <laughs> they've always done SmackDown versus Raw for the Survivor Series matches, so we're still going to get some inter promotional matches. It's fucking ridiculous, but it, it's good to see NXT get thrown in a mix.
1: No, My favorite sure. thing of the whole thing. And the whole show, too, was Pat McAfee. And
2: oh, good God, great. yes.
1: <laughs> he was great <laughs> with all the stuff. He kept repeating it. November 1st, 2019 is the greatest night ever. The greatest SmackDown of history. He kept repeating that. And one of the funniest things, I don't know if you guys caught this, but when Triple H was out there and Stephanie McMahon comes out, she's blowing a, a kiss to Triple H, and you look standing behind Triple H as Pat McAfee standing up <laughs> waving the <to> Stephanie.
2: <laughs> well, well, I wait, loved it. it; was great. Who is the? I wolf? was very surprised about how good he was as a commentator, though. Well, he does,
1: and I—I I was mistaken. I thought he did Monday Night Football, but he does Thursday Night Football.
2: Oh, I would love to see him with Vic Joseph
1: on the (laughs) line. Wait a minute.
0: What what happened to what's-his-name? He was out there for, like, a match, and then, like, he was replaced by him or something. Aiden English. That was so funny. I didn't even realize it for, like, the longest time. I think, Mike, I think you commented on our Facebook thing. Yeah, I put it
1: up. I was just like, it was kind of weird that he was gone. I mean, but after listening to uh, Pat McAfee explain the whole story, I think Aiden was just there just waiting for McAfee to get there. A lot of people were like, like." they took him off because he called Shayna Baszler the queen of (laughs) hearts. queen of hearts, yeah. But that wasn't it. I I guess he was just there taking the place until Pat McAfee got there because apparently he didn't get there until Lesnar was leaving the ring.
0: Wow. A lot of the NXT
1: talent didn't get there, too, until Lesnar's promo was done.
0: Man, I give him so much credit, though, for that that last-minute show. I mean, when you thought it was going to be a disaster, it turned out to be one of their best SmackDowns. And I don't know. I thought SmackDown was actually a lot better than Raw as far as – because it had that surprise factor. Of we were like, what are they going to do now that nobody's there? Uh, I like seeing him on, Sm- like on Raw the NXT crew and all that too. But I don't know. I thought uh, SmackDown had the bigger uh, – the bigger – I don't know. Surprise, I guess, factor, if you will. Um but guys, a lot of things we've been talking about every week was with AEW versus NXT. Which show is better? Which show is doing what? Uh, every week now, uh, Facebook doesn't fail to show me that the ratings war is out. But one thing I did notice this week, I know a lot of things were down last week with the World Series, but this week, uh, they're calling out numbers. It was 813,000 NXT to, uh, to AEW's 822,000. It's getting closer. NXT is getting a lot closer to to AEW. Do you think? And I know it, ratings don't mean much. I know we talked a lot about it, but that's a big difference, and they're really close now as far as numbers go. Do you think people are starting to drop off with AEW? Because I'll tell you the truth, man. I watched NXT this week and I watched AEW, and I still thought NXT was a lot better to me. AEW, I'm starting to get that. Eh, I'm waiting till something new happens. Or
2: I mean, yeah. Here's the uh, here's the here's the I'm problem. Already, it's already, I'm already drowning on it. Well, a lot of people are and and I think the reason is it's it's the lack of a roster. You're starting to see a lot of the same old shit. Um listen, th- there's there's a lot of good to that show. Oh yeah, for sure. And I
0: don't I don't want to sound like I'm hating on it Jericho too. Jericho on
2: the mic like and some of the packages that that package that you sent me him with uh, <laughs> yeah. uh with the Virgil thing. I was fucking <laughs> die. All right. that, that was, that that was, that was one of the best
0: things that night. Yes.
2: Okay, uh it, you dude anything that Cody touches or is involved with is gold. I'm, you know, uh, but but I think a lot of the stuff is being overstated. Like I heard somebody say that that promo we cut, which was amazing, it was a great promo. They were comparing it to Dusty's, uh, or times. fucking hard times, and I'm like, that's not even in the same category. If you ask me, it was a great promo. You know, for for for, for a build up, for a go home show, for a pay per view. You know, it, it is what it is. I. NXT keeps me tuned in because I look forward to, to each and every week. I, I, I want to know, you know, the, the story, what's going to happen. Whereas in AEW, I feel like everything has just got to try to be a five-star match. And, you know, everything's got to be a five-star, 20, 30-minute match. And it's just too much, too much. You know, uh, it's got that new Japan where you have to kick out a fucking 60 finishers and then win with a small package. It makes no fucking sense to me. Just the, the, the match layouts, the the, 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 the the ring psychology, it's just it's too much for me. I, I feel what like you- I like my wrestling old school. I'm, I'm a Jim Cornette kind of guy. I am.
0: Well, you did bring up a point, though, about his promo. Everybody was talking about how much they loved it. Uh, You know, one of the things that made it so good is that it wasn't scripted. It's from, you know, from the gut, from the heart, whatever. You know, it it was on the spot, and that's what wrestling used to be. It doesn't matter if you've remembered his lines. He just has to tell it in the moment, and I thought he told it good. And that's why I love when you can curse like that, to where it's not have to be fuck, 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 whatever. You know, just the use of curse words – made it feel real in the moment. And that's what was great about it. Uh, But Mike, you, you mentioned online that this is kind of similar to maybe an NWA storyline they just
1: did recently. Can you explain that? So, yeah. So, so once again, I don't want to take away from Cody's promo. I thought it was an amazing promo. I really liked that. I've been really actually invested into the storyline between Kenny and Jericho. I thought it was great. I, I look forward to their match, but he said something that, if he did you say loses, Kenny and Jericho? I, you know, I did say Kenny. I apologize. I meant Cody oh. and Jericho. Cody,
2: Jericho. Okay.
1: <clears throat> yeah. Um, I, he's he said something at the beginning of his promo that just like kind of like, it didn't ruin it for me, but it just kind of made me think. Where he says, "If I lose to Jericho, I will never wrestle for the end of, or the uh, AEW title again." And that just kind of like, first of all, the first thing that popped in my head because I watch NWA Power every week. And they just did that storyline about 2 weeks ago with Tim Storm that uh-huh. if he lost to Nick Aldis, he can never challenge for the NWA title again. So that's the first thing that I thought about. And then the second thing I thought about was this company really debuted a month ago and you're already <laughs> calling those type of shots. Right yeah. now it's still so early. So it just boggles my mind that like you're either A guaranteeing that Cody's going to win this week or B that he's going to win by disqualification yeah. in some way.
0: And, you know, um, you brought up a great point too because it's not like it's it's a, it's a ladder match that like every promotion has it. Not too many say, not too many times has there been a match where they say they'll never go for that championship again. It's like a rarity stipulation. So. That close apart, I mean, somebody's watching something, somebody saw somebody mentioned it, be like, oh, that would probably be a good idea. It could be. I mean, I agree with you, because like, people will bite off other things, and for something that
1: rare, it's maybe too coincidence,
0: yeah. coincidental. Other
1: other than that, the promo was great. I thought, you know, um, for a lot of people who didn't know, um, that Jericho vignette, that package, was making fun of Cody, because Cody literally had that same package a couple weeks ago, but it was more serious. And then Jericho made fun of it, which I thought was fucking priceless. The second, the second I saw Virgil,
2: oh my god! <laughs> no, you gotta, you gotta I, use the, the real, first, you gotta use the proper name, bro. It
0: was his <laughs> oh,
1: Something
2: soul, Jones. What was it? Soul something Jones. Soul
1: Train Jones soul or Soul Train Jones? Something like that. Yeah. The second I saw Virgil, I immediately had to get a hold of Cooter. <laughs> immediately. And he then, says
2: said, Jericho's talent is like Olive Garden breadsticks. It's unlimited, and then
1: the best part <laughs> is they got some random old lady in there. Um, something Bopsky was her last name. This oh, it was it was priceless. And then how he just like walked up to Sammy Guevara and just gave him a kiss on the head and. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it was uh, Jericho uh, did that right at the beginning. Once I saw that I said, "What the fuck is going on here?" Yeah. We have two different types of the bubbly. <laughs> I think
1: I think what it is if you if you didn't see the Cody vignette, you have to watch Yeah. That. Yeah. You have to watch that one first and then watch Jericho one and then you all understand it all completely.
2: Yeah. I I did, but it was just it, I you didn't get it right away until you realized that he was making fun of it. So <laughs> I mean, it took like a, a a few different clips, and then I'm like, oh, he's just fucking ribbing right now. Yeah, it was really good. But well,
1: one thing, one thing I want to throw out there real quick, and I did send this to you guys in, in our little chat, is they did this countdown show, the AW, AW Countdown to Full Gear, and I actually really enjoyed it. And for those listening, if you guys haven't checked it out, go, go watch it because it kind of gives you like. They they highlight the main matches in there. I think the, the two main matches and then they, a couple other ones. But it kind of feels like a UFC countdown show, where it just it just gives you that big fight feel. And I, and that's some stuff that I always wanted to see the WWE do, but they never did. And AEW is doing it, and I actually really enjoyed it. So definitely check that out. That's my must watch this week.
0: Well, you bring up I, good. You bring up a good point though about that. I just want to say real quick is that you know, they're doing something different. Uh, you know, that, that big fight feel. Especially now on Tuesdays, they have the dark Tuesday night shows on YouTube or whatever to where the, they'll show the dark matches on YouTube. And I mean, you know, I always read about dark matches on WWE, and it's like, oh, I, I would have loved to have seen that. And I know sometimes, like, they can't show it or whatever they don't show, it, but it if they keep doing stuff that WWE isn't doing, that's great, but... And like I said before, I don't hate them. I, I'm watching it, but I just feel like... I've already seen it now almost. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, I'm getting to that point where I, I know the roster. I know what when I've seen who's on TV, I can fast forward or I don't really want to watch this. Uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm just at that point. I don't think the women division is really that anything to watch yet. I know there's a lot of growing pains, and I'm not trying to put them down because I, I, I like it. But I don't know. Those numbers, like I said earlier, they're, they're starting to get close. Now I'm kind of curious what next week's going to bring. Um, I don't know. Maybe there's... People just, I mean, WWE starts bringing those, you know, Finn Balor's AJ Styles is crossing over on the NXT with, uh, with what they're doing. Could be, could be different numbers next week. That's what I'm trying to say. So, uh, but guys, stay tuned because Terry Runnels is joining us uh, again with Jonathan, who's going to sit down with her right now.
3: All right. Welcome, everybody. This is JB, and today we will be joined by one of the most legendary, one of the most incredible, dare I say, one of the most beautiful, one of the original divas, if I may say so myself. The stunning Miss Terry Runnels. Terry, thank you so much for joining us today.
4: Thank you, Jonathan. It's my pleasure. And I just, just for the record, I love Steve Credo so much, and. I think if he asked me to like deliver a pint of blood, an appendage, or my firstborn, I might give it to him because he's been so good to me. That's (laughs) incredible. Well, I'm
3: so happy that you're back with us again. Um, I I just, we've got a lot to go over today, but um, I want to get right into this and I want to talk to you a little bit. I want to ask you about what you're currently up to. You know, we we get to talk to a lot of people and, um, you know, we we talk about the past. We talk about kind of what what the future holds for people. But I know you have some really exciting stuff that's going on, um, namely your live stream. So for anybody who's just tuning in to us or listening to you, what can you tell us about that?
4: I started it as a podcast, but I think I can connect, even though I, my, my, fans and my, my friends on live stream know that I have a really hard time because I want to, I call it my, my smoke and mirrors. When, when, when I put my absolute face on, like my eyes, my face, my everything. Um, and it, it's difficult for me to give less than that. But like, for instance, tonight, I'll take my glasses off. Um, tonight, I am with you, and I only have a bit of my smoke on. And when I say my smoke, that is my eyes, and the rest of it is my face. Um, normally, I tan my body from the neck down, and so my face from the neck up is a totally different color. So, um Because I just recently had a scare with skin cancer, Um, I have not been tanning like I have in the past all my life. Um, So long story short, and, and, and Jonathan, you'll have to bring me back because I just chased a rabbit. And I don't know where I left your question, but yeah, bring me back really, really fast.
3: I just wanted to have you talk to us about your live stream.
4: Yes. Okay. So like right now I'm on with, with my live stream family. Um, the way I was introduced to this is to me it is a very godly thing. Um, if you're an atheist, um, I just put up my middle finger. I'm just kidding. I love everyone. Um, but, um, I was asked to do an interview with, um, the nuclear Vikings. Um, a while back, and I found out that it was started from someone um, named Bert, who who was a professional football player, and um, he went through some stuff, some mental health stuff that was difficult and tough, and and he created this entity. And um, when the the first time. Uh, you know, normally I charge people to do interviews. And I I did, I I charged Bert and his his group to do the interview. um, And they were told it would be 30 minutes. And I think it was like an hour and a half later, I was still on the phone with them talking to them and totally engaged with them and, and just really appreciated and respected, you know, what they were doing. And um, I had not ever really dealt with depression mental illness or anything until recently and so it just it just resonated with me and I and I um not only respected and appreciated it then but I do at this moment and so um yeah it was just it was something that was really precious to me and and I um I I love them I I appreciate them they're they're When you get to know them on um, a a personal basis, like each one differently, there's just such beauty in each person and it just makes me proud that I am a part of it. And um, Bert, um, who is with Nuclear Vikings he got me started on D live as opposed to YouTube only because at the at the the beginning of the year I said to myself you know what I, I am not going to let fear like break me and and like fear had never been a part of my life, but it had become a part of my life. And I thought, you know what? Screw that. Like I'm, I'm going to face fear like head on and I'm going to deal with it. And you know, what people think of me, whatever, like, and it just, it was not that easy. Uh, It still isn't that easy. Like I still feel like, even though I tell people a whole bunch of stuff about myself, um, I still feel like there's so much more that I probably should regurgitate and spit out and, and share. But at the moment I'm doing the best I can with that. And I'm being as honest as I can with that. So I know I'm taking up your time and you ask one question and you haven't had a chance to ask another one. So I'm going to uh, shut up and let you ask a different question.
3: Uh, no, that's, <laughs> uh, that's great. We're happy to, to learn more about the process. And um, so When you were, obviously, if anybody's listening to us on another wrestling podcast or they're listening to you, they know that you were involved very heavily in the world of professional wrestling, and um, I wanted to ask... Still am. Still am. Absolutely. And um, I wanted to ask a few things about kind of what your thoughts are on how women are perceived in the world of wrestling now versus when maybe you first got your start in in your career in professional wrestling
4: completely different absolutely 100 completely different i remember um i have given a plethora of interviews where where i've said you know women should be like the icing on the cake if the cake is this thick and the icing is this thick like Ugh, that's a terrible cake. But if the uh, if if the cake is this thick and the icing is like this, it's this beautiful marriage where it's it tastes great, it feels great, it's wonderful. However, that was long before there was this like surge of women that wanted to become professional wrestlers, and um, it is night and day back then to now and there back in the day it used to be like this usually for females anyway either you were the daughter of a wrestler that's how you got in. You were the girlfriend of a wrestler. That's how you got in. You were a female wrestler. You hoped you got in like, like it was just very difficult for women to, to permeate th- this, this entity called pro wrestling. Right. And um, I I felt kind of guilty and I, I don't even think I've ever even said this before. I've always lauded my, my female colleagues, that they wanted to be in the industry and that they trained for years and they busted their ass and they did everything they could just to become a female professional wrestler. I never wanted to do that. I loved being a manager. I loved taking bumps from the boys. I never wanted to wrestle ever, ever, ever. But I always lauded my girls who trained and wanted to be wrestlers when 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 it was first presented to me by Vince that he wanted me to freaking wrestle I begged him. I begged him. I said to him, I said, Vince, anyone who loves what they do will do it with, with, with such a fervor and grace and, and excitement. Anyone who doesn't want to do that particular thing will fail. I don't want to do this. Please don't make me wrestle. I don't want to wrestle. And he smacked me on the arm and he said, you're going to be great. It's going to be great. Knock it out. And, um, so anytime, if you ever see me wrestle ever, ever, ever on YouTube, on the, uh, uh, WWE network, I literally was taught moves hours before I had to go live in front of millions of people. Imagine that. Imagine you were told whatever you do in life that, that you're going to be taught something. Hours before millions of people are going to watch you live, whether you succeed or fail, that's what's going to happen. And so I would get to TVs and I would be literally sick to my stomach waiting to find out if I was going to have to manage, which I hoped dearly that that's what I was going to have to do because I love that. I love that with all my heart. Um, Or if I was going to have to wrestle and if I was told I was going to have to wrestle Nine times out of 10, I would go upstairs in the in the arena and throw up somewhere like I just made me sick to my stomach. However, I tried my best when I walked out of Gorilla, um, you know, when I walked through uh, Gorilla and, and uh, onto the Titan Tron and, and out there. I tried my best. Like, I didn't want you to know that I was scared. I didn't want you to know that I was uh, apprehensive. I I wanted you to buy into the fact that I was just down for it and I was there for it and I was ready for it, which is just anything but the truth, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it, anyway, it was just, it, it was very difficult for me. I give massive props to the females that literally have spent their years training and training and training and trying to get to the spot I was at that I didn't even want to be at. Like, like I wished I could have taken. Like, when when they first told me, like, we want you to wrestle. I wish I could have taken, uh, like, uh, you know, like uh, imagine this is a gift, and I wish I could have taken it and said, I now bequeath this to you this female wrestler because you want to be a wrestler. I, I just wish that that I could have bequeathed that to another female that wanted to wrestle another female. I just never wanted to do that. So that was a tough thing for me.
3: I find that especially in, in today's wrestling product, that that's something that we're lacking. There's not a lot of managers and or valets. Is that something that you think uh, wrestling could benefit from again today if they had more of that?
4: Absolutely. I think that is something that is missing in great quantity. Um, Yeah, like we are, you know, one of the best ways that Vince ever used me was to be a mouthpiece. And Dustin at the time, at the time, don't don't I I don't want to piss anyone off at the time. Dustin was not a great talker. Um, Dustin still is not a great talker, but he can bullshit his way through a a, a great interview. Um, it, It breaks my heart to see the last time that he, like he was, I think, if not the last time, one of the last times that he was on air, he was like with John Cena. And it was so uncomfortable for me to watch because it was just so like uh, this is not, this is not good. Um, I think the reason that I did well was that I didn't have a problem speaking. And so I was the mouthpiece for the Hardy boys, for Goldust, for Perry, like those, everyone that I ever, um, managed, they needed a mouthpiece except for Raven. And ironically enough, and I, and I still, I respect Raven for his ability and his talent in the ring. He was the only person I ever didn't trust and respect in the ring, which is crazy. Um, I, I just, I didn't feel like he had my best interest at heart. Like every, every other person I'd ever worked with ever. Like it felt like we were working together and we had a synergy and, and, we, we cared for each other's, like, we, we, we watched each other's backs, basically. Um, But Perry was such a good soul in that response, uh, or in that regard, not response, but in that regard, like, he would always take care of me in that, in, in in that sense. So, um, yeah, it was just, yeah.
3: You know, we see these reunion shows when, when wrestlers come back, and, the crowd goes crazy, and you see somebody like a Jake Roberts or a Mick Foley or somebody like that who comes back, and the crowd doesn't get to see them necessarily on a on a huge basis, but they're still welcome back with open arms. And um, it kind of seems like, from for what I've seen and um, watching professional wrestling throughout my life, that um, the the women um, seem to have a smaller shelf life. Um, that may not be the case nowadays, but, um, you know, it's, it was very rare up until a couple of years ago that you would see them bring back some of these females. And, um, it's not like anything really changes. I feel like, you know, you could get into a ring tomorrow and be just as good, if not better as you were just because it's like, for what I can imagine, it's like riding a bicycle. Those are some things that you don't forget. So. Why do you think that in, you know, major companies or whatever that women seem to have a shorter shelf life than the, their men counterparts?
4: Um, Great question. And I believe that it's, it's like everything in life. Um, I will admit to the listening public that I am one of those people that – older women do not look as sexy as older men. Um, older men seem to carry their chutzpah with them longer than older women. And I i am a judge where that's concerned. And I'm a woman, so that's kind of like uh, shame on me for, for saying that. But that's th- the truth. Um, I think that like uh, i'll I'll show you this okay so this is this is something i've never been more white in my life like i i have tanned from the neck down since i was mid-20s mid-20s yeah um and never tanned my face but tanned from here down and i have not tanned In a while because I have a skin cancer that I am dealing with right now, but um, I I feel like women We end up looking older and haggard and we just look worse than men um, From a visual standpoint and it sucks like it sucks a bag of donkeys but um, it, it, it took, for me as a female, I am an aging female. I am an old fart in our business and it 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 I don't like it I don't like to see us looking old. you see the gray in my hair right right like right here I haven't I haven't done and, and then you see this so this tells you like right here the dark part of my hair is my natural red hair. And this part is like white and gray, like what in the hell? Um, so it's something that it sucks to acknowledge and it's hard to face as a female in the business. Cause you want to, you want to remain, you know, ever young and, amazing to your fans, but you realize that you age for whatever reason, you age quicker uh, than your male counterparts. And, and they just, you know, it's, it's kind of like, I see Sam Elliott as a sexy son of a bitch. Right. Um, and he's an old fart. I see Terry Funk as an amazing human being and he's an old fart you don't often see females or or you don't often hear about females respected in that, in that response. And so, um, I, I just, I, I feel like it's, it's, it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Yeah.
3: It's interesting because it feels like, and a lot of people have said this and, um, that, that Dustin or gold dust, um, He's been getting better with age, which is kind of what you were just saying. Yeah. I mean, are you surprised or do you, are you, uh, I mean, I don't know how to put it other than that. Are you surprised to see how long his career, because during the Attitude Era, if, if many of you know, it was every night of the week, you all probably didn't get many days off. And, you know, he'd been in the WWE, WWF for a very long time. Um, are you surprised to see him still going as as, as hard as he
4: is? Dustin, there was a very, very dark period. I was with Dustin for eight years, and um, I was married to him for six. And we have a daughter together, Dakota, and she's freaking freaking amazing. And um, Dustin, back in the day, before he got clean and sober was um, it was not good. It was really not good. I never knew who I was going to either like th- th- this is, this is what I can tell you right now that I knew back then. And I believe today and I will believe until the day I die. Dustin Runnels has a humongous heart. He has a beautiful humongous heart and that's what I fell in love with about him um he was tortured by I believe mental illness and being on the road for so many days at a time and having the boys mess with him because he was a greenhorn brand new to the business um he was brutalized in that way and um, all those things came crashing down on him and to me it was not fair to him I loved him I supported him I you know I fought for him and um, I'm happy that today he has a wife that he feels 100% and completely connected to and energized by and fortified by if that makes sense to you guys um but i will tell you this that i love dustin with all of my heart in the sense that he is my child's father and he's been yes, there've been moments where he was not great. There've been moments when I was not great as a mother at all. Um, I went down the rabbit hole that was ugly and scary and, and terrible, but I know that Dustin loves our daughter and that I've never for one moment questioned. So I give him massive respect about that. And, um, Yeah, like if if, if I've said this so many times before, I'll say it again. If Dustin were to curse me out on the phone and tell me he hated my guts one minute and then a minute later call me and say, hey, Tara, I need your help. I would be there for him in a heartbeat because that's the way I love him. I love him as Dakota's father. I divorced him in 1999. Um, in in a way that a wife loves a husband, I divorced him. I haven't felt that way about him since, but I've loved him in a different way and in a in an equal in an equal way. Um, because it, it involves our daughter and granted she's now an adult and she doesn't need, you know, mommy to pat her on the back or daddy to say, you know, good girl, whatever. She's a grown adult, but it's still, you know, she'll be my baby until the day I die. And she's the only child that Dustin and I have together uh, that I have. I assume that he has. And um, yeah, it just, it's just, she is just, she matters more than anything, and because of that, he matters more than anything. So, yeah, I, I just I love and appreciate him. That's,
3: that's, that's really, really incredible to hear. And, you know, professional wrestling, as somebody who's a fan, but you see all the dirt sheets and you see all that stuff, that um, it's... It, people aren't as uh, welcoming or civil as what you're saying. And it's just, it's refreshing that because there are so many dark things about this business and it's nice to hear this, this good side of it. So um, I appreciate hearing that. But um, I also want to talk a little bit about, you know, your name is going to forever be tied to what was known as the attitude era. And for many wrestling fans, Uh, my age or maybe a little bit older or maybe even a little bit younger the attitude era is something that's still very um, ingrained in us and sometimes we have the tendency of looking back at the attitude era and thinking that was the greatest time of professional wrestling Um, obviously a lot of that stuff would not fly today but um, as someone who lived it and spent a lot of time during that era what are just some of your overall thoughts? Like, um, was that the funnest time of your career? Were there things that you thought, I can't believe that we're gonna get away with this? Like, what was your overall thoughts on the Attitude Era?
4: Great question. Great plethora of questions, actually. Um, so I cherish those moments in so many ways. There are a few moments where I wish I was not associated with a storyline we can get into that in a minute if you want to but for the most part I loved being trailblazers and like really pushing the envelope as that's what WWF at the time wanted to do with us Um, my character came to me as I if you've heard me in any interview before about Marlena it came to me as I was laying in our tanning bed in our basement while Dustin was on the road. I'm a mom. I'm a stay at home mom. Uh, Dakota was like, I think a year and a half at this point. And I just, it just, I had been at my sister's. i had seen, she had this Barbie doll that was um, um, uh, Bob Mackey, which if you don't know who Bob Mackey is, he's a, a famous designer. He did all of Cher's costumes, a lot of Carol Burnett's, costumes um very very saucy like costuming right and so there's this this one barbie doll that's called the sun goddess and when i saw it at my sister's house and of course she had it displayed like like in all this perfection um i was like oh my god like that's what Dustin needs for his character because he is this androgynous being. So I just came up with this character, I, literally laying in our tanning bed in my tanning bed. Um, something I bought with my retirement money from Turner Broadcasting Entertainment. Thank you very much. Um, shouldn't have, but I did. Anyway, um, so yeah, I was like, oh my god, like. This would be this great, like, dichotomy to gold dust. Like, this would be so awesome. And I remember telling him, in while I was still laying in the tanning bed, like, I'd just come up with it. I called him, and he's like, Yeah, that's great. I love it. Call Vince. I'm like, You call Vince. I don't work for, like, you're under contract, I, I don't work for Vince, you call Vince. He's like, nope, nope, if you want to do it, you call Vince. So I was like, okay, son of a bitch. I called, I called the main number and I was like, you know, and I told them my idea and um, Pat Patterson called me and um, he was, God bless him. He was very diplomatic and he said, we thank you so much for your thoughts and your ideas, but we're, we're just not interested, but thank you anyway, and take care and goodbye. I hung up the phone, didn't think anything of it, went back to being mom. Um, and I was at my grandparents' home in Brainford, Florida. Um, when Dustin called me, he said, what are you doing right now? And I said, I'm at Granny Granny's. And he said, well, pack your bags. They want to do your idea. That was the first thing I knew about them jumping onto my character that I created.
3: One of the things I would like to know is, you know, you worked with a lot of the top talent and uh, if not all the top talent um, during that time. Were there people that you really um, enjoyed working with and clicked with um, specifically, like? whenever you and and the Gold Dust character would would be in a program with somebody, who were some of your favorite people to work with during that time?
4: Yeah, so absolutely. Um, Mick Foley um, was a dear soul. Love love him. Will love him till the day I die. I, I, he could probably kill like 10,000 people, and I would still say, yeah, God, he's just a good soul. <laughs> God bless him. Um, I just love him. Um Love working with him. Paul Bearer, love working with him as well, just to go kind of dovetail into the mankind, you know, that, that moment with Goldust, Marlena, mankind and, and him. Um, I loved working with, with Shawn Michaels. That was always fun for me. I think one of the questions that you had Posed to me in like an email, or that that um, Steve did was like, who did you want to work with that you never did? Shawn Michaels, in the sense of managing him, like I thought that would be a great talent to manage. So not to work against, because I did work against him with with Goldust. Um, but yeah, I, that would have been so much fun for me to have worked with him. He was just such. He, he was just a beauty um, in terms of the way he worked. It was just such a fluid, beautiful way that he worked. I loved it. Um, so, yeah, um, I, I, I really appreciated working with it's, – it's funny. Um, someone asked me earlier today, I think, about um, Undertaker. And I'm like, um, well, when I knew Mark Calloway – he was a tall, lanky, very odd redhead. And I gave him one of the worst haircuts he's ever had in his life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did in WCW actually yeah at the time we had we had segwayed from NWA he was now in WCW yeah he was in WCW and I I think the the botched haircut took place in Gainesville Georgia I'm not certain but I do know that I gave him one of the worst haircuts he's ever had in his life I was a makeup artist not a hairdresser and yeah um but Uh, You know, even back then it's funny that that he was such a very quiet soul and um, He just didn't give that that much audibly but but You appreciated you know who he was and and the fact that he was you know that much of a of a quiet soul I guess anyway. Um, yeah, so
3: during the attitude era It was all about this kind of blurring the lines of real and entertainment. Um, And there was some tough stuff that you had to go through during that time with, you know, untimely death of Brian Pillman and even um, a little bit after that, the divorce angle that they did. Um, Was there ever a time when you were like, ouch, that that kind of that's too close to home? Or did you feel like that it was, you know, par for the course?
4: Yeah. So I've, I've said this many times before. Um, I really loved the way that Vince Russo wrote for Dustin and wrote for Goldust and wrote for Marlena. And, um, I feel like he was the main reason that, that we had success in the beginning. Um, and, uh, however, uh, you know, segueing through, um, when when he said to me like we want to do this angle where you're pregnant by valvenus and then you know you are you you lose the baby i was like dude like i have a kid in school i the the last thing i want her to hear from some other kid at school is that oh my gosh your mom was pregnant with a baby and she lost the baby and that's your brother or sister. Like, well, no, like, no, that's, that's just not cool for me. And I fought that tooth and nail. And I lost, obviously I lost because it, it was a thing. It happened. Um, I thought it was like real in real bad taste. Um, the same way I thought that the necrophilia thing with Kane was in, in bad taste. The same way I thought that the HLA crap, you know, girl kissing girl was in bad taste. Um, that doesn't mean that I have anything against my gay friends and followers. It just means that if you are promoting something for a child, don't don't just give them some visual without explanation. I just didn't think it was fair or right. So, um, yeah, I, that was, that was something that I didn't, um, I fought against and lost.
3: Yeah. Um, was there anything that either you proposed that was kind of left on the table or anything that was, um, you know, put out to you that just never came to fruition? Is there any angles that you kind of wish you could have done?
4: I wanted to work with Shawn Michaels in a managing situation like so after Sherry left and was no longer a part of, of you know WWF at the time um, I just thought it would be a great great concept for me and Shawn to work together that I was his manager and you know work a program with Dustin um, that just didn't work come to fruition. I think he was very involved with Sonny at the time and you know whatever they they had going on he just like couldn't see beyond that or I I don't know. Um, But I loved the way that he worked and it was just a beautiful like like it was a joy to to be ringside and watch the way he worked. Same thing about Dustin but Dustin was a bigger guy um, and you know, Dustin was still poetry in motion, but um, yeah, that that's that's one thing that never happened that I would have loved to have happened.
3: You worked with some other people during that time. You worked with the other divas, the other women that were wrestling. Um, you know, we haven't brought up the names yet, but Sable and, and Sunny and um, Luna and all of them, and not so much with Luna, but there was, and to this day, you hear a lot about um, that time frame, and there were some maybe issues with Sunny, or there's issues with Sable, or whatever. But for yeah. w- whatever reason, your your name has always stayed out of that. So, what was your secret to kind of staying out of <laughs> the drama? Because it's still a big part of the wrestling
4: industry today. Yeah. Um, so I was the mother. I was literally the mother and I've said this before in interviews where um, I would be. So let me go back. I I digress a moment. Um, When I initially started, it was just me and Sonny. We were the only two females in the company at the time. That was it. And then shortly thereafter came Sable and They just did not like each other from the get go. I have my disrespect for Sable, but I was not ever. I mean, I would just speak to her honestly and say what I respected, what I didn't respect. Sunny and her had this very like just like bite at each other kind of relationship. And I was in the middle. So they would not say to each other, like one would say, Well, I did this this weekend. And then the other one would go, Well, I did so. so." But they wouldn't speak to each other. They were speaking to me, like as though I was the conduit betwixt the two. And yeah it was stupid but but that's pretty i was just mom i was the the mother and you know i was trying to teach sunny like don't say don't do this like this will only cause you grief like i would you know would would express to her like this is foolish if you do this or this or whatever and she would follow me sometime but like you know she's a grown woman and she followed her own path. And yeah, it was just not necessarily the wisest one Um, to say that I will raise my right hand and say, I have not always followed the right path either. I've made some really bad mistakes in my professional career. And, um, the sad part about that is that, you know, it was in an effort to help someone. So it just, it, it's just, um, you know, you, you never know. We we all go through things and um um I'm just I'm happy that I could could forge a career that was not based on drama for the most part of, of, of my life. So
3: You surely have had a um a Hall of Fame career. We can list all your accolades, but you know, you had an amazing career that's still going to this day. And um, I'm wondering about that. There are some of the, your peers who are in the Hall of Fame from that time. Um, obviously, we think here at Another Wrestling Podcast that you are a bona fide Hall of Famer. If that day comes, and hopefully sooner rather than later, um, have you given any thought to the person that would um, induct you?
4: Yes immediately I don't even have to hesitate my child my child because she is the product of this business like her grandfather what an icon her dad what an icon her mother um, her uncle Cody um, uh, her uncle tugboat uh, like, like there's just so many connections to her life that make her the only one that should induct me so yeah my hands down, my child.
3: Now you just mentioned, you know, Dusty and Cody, and um, I've been skirting around this a little bit, but um, have you? Don't skirt,
4: dude. Don't skirt. Okay. Just
3: come at me. All come right. On. All right. So, have you uh, spent any time watching the new, you know, the new product AEW? And if you have, what are your thoughts on it? Um, and do you see competition? Um, with the WWE at this point or do you think it's too early?
4: Oh my gosh, I'm very filled with emotion where this is concerned because I am thrilled, beyond thrilled, beyond thrilled that AEW is making such a stamp in this market and in this world of professional wrestling. Like, this is the first time, I know many have tried before them, but this is the first time that I believe there's a shot at um, making such a, 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 a stamp on, on the world of professional wrestling. Um, I love that the, the way in which the AEW has functioned thus far has been wrestler-friendly. And, and, and you would think that it would be smarter to be fan-friendly versus wrestler-friendly, but if you have happy wrestlers and if you have healthy wrestlers and if you have guys and girls that are completely um, involved in and 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 that's their world, that's you don't have to worry about it being fan friendly. It's going to be fan friendly. So I am so proud of them at the same time. Let me say this. WWE. WWE prior WWF um, is still my family and I love them with all of my heart and I think that this is the best thing that could ever happen to them is true competition so uh, do I believe that there's true competition Absolutely. I believe that they are uh, they better like buckle their seatbelts because they are facing something that never faced before Um, that doesn't mean that I want them to fail. It means I want both to succeed and I believe both will. And it makes me proud of both. And I'm getting chill bumps even saying it like right now, because I truly believe that the more successful AEW is, the more successful WWE will be. And it is nothing but a win-win for our fans. So yeah, I'm just, I'm thrilled all the way around.
3: That's great to hear. And um, what about you? What are your what is your unfinished business in this crazy world of professional wrestling? What is it that you still want to accomplish here with with your fans, with the business? Just what what do you have left to accomplish?
4: Um, like to be as tall as six foot tall instead of being five foot tall. <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know, can can I stretch my legs that that far to make me that tall? I don't know. Um, no, seriously, I I'm at the point that and and I shouldn't say I'm at the point because I've always felt this way. I've always loved helping other people. It sounds a bit cliche. I just want to help other people. Like just let me help. No, I I want to help those hurting, those in misery, those. Um, that really need help, and, and that's another reason why, um, like, what I do with the Nuclear Vikings um, on my D-Live channel, um, which is my live stream that I do every Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday from 7 to 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, it's something that is, is cherished by me because I want to help and, and help heal. Um, and, you know, if, if you come on to my live stream, which is the Cigar scars, superstars live stream on, on D live, I, I want you to feel comfortable. Like if you need to say shit that you're dealing with, that you are frustrated by, you're brokenhearted by you're, you know, you've lost a loved one, you're depressed, whatever you are at that moment, Like knowing that you can come on to my live stream and that you will not be criticized, you will not be um, characterized, you will not be um, hurt by the people around you that will encompass you, you'll only be supported by that that is what is important to me right now so i love it so every sunday monday and wednesday from 7 to 8 30 p.m eastern standard time i am on www.dlive.com forward slash the terry reynolds so yes i that that is where my heart is right now and actually and and as you well know um all of my people are seeing and listening to what we're doing right now. So I love that. Yes. And we
3: want to thank you so much for taking some of that time today and spending it with us here at another wrestling podcast. Um, We thank you again so, so much for, you know, peeling back those layers. And um, I want to ask you one last question and it's going to be a tough one, but if you had to just pick one moment, one moment from your career thus far um as your favorite moment in the wrestling business
4: what would it be damn that's quite the question hold on let me think about it for two seconds i well let me say this to you it it, it's it's with one person but it's two different moments so i'll give you both and then because i can't pick between the two um the first moment was when Joni came out of the crowd and, and choked me out. And like, we talked about it backstage and I just said to her, like, give it to me. Don't, don't sugarcoat it. Like I want, I want to feel the fight in me. Um, so yeah, like don't hold back. And then the other moment was, and I guess it's, I guess it's more iconic because it was WrestleMania and that was WrestleMania 13 where, you know, she shook me like a rag doll. Um, and in the moment I didn't feel the pain because of the, uh, you know, the adrenaline of being in front of that many millions of people at one time. Like I knew I had to let go and just give in to that moment. Um, but the next day, the next morning was so brutal and I could not even, like, I couldn't, Dustin was calling me is Dustin was in our hotel room at the lavatory um and he said something to me and I went to turn my head to answer him like normally I would just whip my head to like look at him and say what or like or answer him and I went to answer him and I could not move I could not move my body like nothing would move and I was like, holy shit, like this is crazy. Um, is this what they go through on a regular basis? And um, yeah, that, I guess that was the most iconic moment in my history of being in the business because it was just, it was just a unique moment, if, if that makes sense.
3: For anybody who's listening today and uh, they want to know more about your live stream or they want to follow you on social media, Um, what are the ways, the best ways that they can do that?
4: The best ways that you can do that is my, my only, um, social media name is the Terry Runnels, which is T H E T E R R I R U N N E L S. And let me give a shout out to Twitter at verified Twitter. Um, I, when, when, when the, the, um, 25th anniversary happened for RAW. Um, I changed my uh, my Twitter name from. I didn't change the name. I just changed the. Um, it was the Terry Runnels, but I just changed the the uh, T in in the D to capital the T and the Terry and the R and the Runnels because. I feel like you see that easier when when those first letters are capitalized. And the minute I did did that change, they took away my verified, uh, you know, account. Like they unverified me because I changed three letters from lowercase to uppercase. So to this day, they've never changed it back. And I really hope that they will because I can't even like how more positive can they be than to see me right now and hear what I'm saying and make the to connect and go, Oh, okay. That was not someone else. That was her that did that. Let's verify her again. Like it just drives me insane. So yeah, I really, I really hope that, that, um, you guys will throw that out to them and again, just, it's the Terry Reynolds. Um, my, my, um, so, uh, uh, my, my live stream every Sunday, Monday, and Wednesday from seven to eight thirty is on, uh, www.dlive.com forward slash the Terry Reynolds. So yeah, that's how you can find me.
3: We should get. Hashtag uh, verify Terry um, trending. That's what we should like, be what doing. What the
4: hell? Like, why do you un um, unverify someone for capitalizing three letters? I don't get it. But no, anyway, no.
3: I really thank you uh, again, and uh, just thank you for putting your your life and your body and your career um, out there for us to to watch and enjoy. And um, I really hope we can get you on again sometime soon.
4: Thank you so much, Jonathan. It was a pleasure talking with you and give Steve my love. I will. Thank wow. you so much. Have a great day. All right. Ciao. I'm
1: going to ask you guys one question. You guys have to give me answers straight through. Okay. Out of all the shows this week, starting from Friday up until today, name one thing of your highlight of the week. Ooh. One thing, one thing that stood out to you the most i'm gonna tell you mine right now was that sit down between the shana baszler and becky lynch i
2: was literally thinking that and it, i thought
1: that was amazing i don't even care if bailey's in the match <laughs> that's the match i want to see
2: mm. good
0: one. i don't know for me off the top I, I keep going back to matt riddle and uh what's his name the glory uh Yeah, Keith Lee to where Keith Lee did that dive after Raw and the cameras went to to commercial right after he did that dive off the apron. Uh, But just uh, Riddle against AJ Styles in the ring in NXT, uh, I don't know. He's an incredible athlete. I know not too many people like him as much, but I I think he's different. I like his character, but I don't want to see them pair up so much. I think they can stand on their own, but I mean, just seeing Keith Lee and... Uh, the bro on main t- uh, on the main TVs. I-, I was really that was like a highlight for me. It was just just good to see fresh faces, I guess. On on you know, doing different stuff, doing different things, not the same thing in the same place all the time. So with those invasions, I think those two. I just keep going back to they stood out to me.
2: You know what? I'm I'm gonna go opposite of you, Mike, because I mean you you kind of stole what I thought was probably that moment of the week for me. Something that I think. Would really make this interesting. Um, how come we don't see? I haven't seen Johnny Gargano in like two weeks. Oh, because Finn Balor took him out. Whoop-de-do! What? would a Pele kick? In, no,
1: there? apparently the the DDT on the the steel uh, ramp. I, I don't They're playing that storyline. Which you know what? Survivor it's fine. Seniors. It's fine. Keep, yeah. keep Valor and, and Gargano away from it. Let them do their thing. All right. That paint. being
2: said, you know who else is missing in action, which which mm-hmm. I think would really make the NXT roster look more formidable? Because it, you, when you look at a lot of... The, they're, they're fucking small, dude. I, yeah. I mean, when you saw Tommaso Ciampa... Against somebody like The Miz and Ciampa looks small.
0: Yeah. The Miz? <laughs> yeah, that's why he's
2: got to stay on NXT. Why, why is Walter not involved in this?
1: We talked about. Before Before I, I answer. So, Cooter, from what I'm getting right now, so your highlight basically is the NXT evasion. Yes. I'm getting I, that. I'm, okay. Yeah, and, and I, I truly enjoyed it. And I think I brought that up to you guys. Where's Walter? But then I understand that that was like a, on Friday was a last minute thing. But I think they do need to bring in a guy like Walter to kind of just give you that size to just let you know that NXT isn't fucking around.
2: You know what? He might he might end up showing up because you still got some time before Survivor Series. Cause, oh, yeah. So could you imagine like, OK, so you're going to have to have a, a Brock Lesnar, Ray Wyatt match. Obviously, it's going to happen. No,
1: they advertise Lesnar versus Mysterio.
2: Ah, uh, Fuck all that. They, you know, this would have been perfect. This really would have been something. Can you imagine him, him and the fiend, and just all of a sudden, Walter coming out there and just chopping his shit at anybody? I mean, the way that Baszler did. I mean, just the fact that it makes that roster look like, man, we got some beef to it too, not just some fucking, some fucking, you know, small little indie dudes.
1: I got a match for you, Cody. You're going to love this. So we're going to do cross-brand promotion right here. So what if, you know, representing NXT, you got a guy like Walter, and you put him in a ring against representing Raw, you got Samoa Joe. Mm. Oh I think, but I, I don't think God. Samoa Joe is going to be ready in time, because I know he has a, um. he had a bummed hand I'm not sure if he's going to be medically cleared but a hard hitting match that would be
2: oh my god but see that's the thing sometimes there's just certain big dudes you think would really work well together and sometimes it's just a big letdown. I don't know but you got two ring generals in there so I don't know if that's going to be I I don't know but I, I like that idea and guys, the second secondary titles. Could you imagine a an AJ, a Nakamura, and a Roddy Strong triple threat? Oof. Oof. Oh my God, I'm getting moist just thinking about it. Well, go back to that Rey Mysterio Brock thing, guys,
0: real quick, because the Fiend is the Universal Champion. You know, Brock quit SmackDown to go to to go to Raw because, I mean, they just had the draft change and all that stuff. So I guess he had to do something like that. Uh, but the WWE Championship is on Raw universal championships on SmackDown and your champions have always been booked. I feel like to be unbeatable. How the fuck do you get that universal championship off of the fiend in a regular match? Is he ever going to have a regular match without any red lighting? And uh, I mean, even Brock, I mean, uh, granted uh, that fight with Kane. Yes. Realistic. Seth has beat him twice. Okay. But everything else, I mean, like your champions, both of your champions. I can't think of a match to where I'm like, oh well, this guy beat him, and he beat so and so and whatnot. So I think he has a chance to where. Ray versus Brock. Is there what glimpse of hope do I feel like Ray has against Brock? I mean, unless this is a a no DQ chairs that whatever kind of match, and okay, but. There's no way the fucking, you know, Ray versus Brock. That's like a fucking squishing an ant kind of a thing. And then, like, like all in all, guys, your opinions on the champions, I feel like that there's no believable way to get the belts off them. I mean, yes, Seth has done it, and it was okay, but he they're both in that same category of how the hell do you get these belts off these guys to where you'd make it seem believable. I mean, I wanted to spend my belief. I want to, you know, see something that good, but these guys are being booked so wacky.
2: Is it, is it too wacky to be this unbeatable? No, uh, because I think especially when it comes to Lesnar, you know, with his size and, and his ability. You know, people hate on Lesnar. Lesnar is really great at what he does. You know, it's not just the fact that he stands there and, and, and lets somebody talk for him. I mean, he plays his part very well. While he's standing there. He's not just, yeah, talk for me. and I'm just going to stand. Like, he, he's somehow selling it. You know what I mean? Um, but whoever beats him is going to be, you know, a, a, a big fucking star. I mean, can you imagine him against a, oh, I don't know, an Alistair Black? Or maybe just somebody... Who's going to Who's going to be there for a while? Somebody different. Think... Somebody different besides yeah. Rollins
0: again. Like, come again. on, you got to spread that love it's, around. It's,
2: if you you got to build Brock up to be that unbeatable guy for the next guy who's going to take that belt off of him, you know. And
0: then, but tell me about the theme though with this whole thing because I don't think I've ever seen anybody this ridiculous. I mean, Taker was one story in the '90s, but this I feel like is even double than T- what Taker was doing. To where, just kicking out, ridiculously fast, not even selling, being hurt a little bit sometimes.
2: Is it too? Is it on the same level, or is it just too ridiculous what he's doing with it? I think it's way overdone. It's too much for me. I mean, it's one thing to no sell like a fucking luchador, but this is ridiculous. I mean, fucking, we, we, we're hitting you with chairs and fucking sledgehammers. And we're I feel fucking like we're
1: watching, we're watching like Friday the 13th or like Halloween. Yeah.
2: yeah, Jason just keeps getting up, dude. It's, it's, it, that's the perfect fucking analogy right there. I, I, I literally feel like, oh, just when you think he's dead, yep. you know, he comes up with that machete and he's gonna fucking cut your head off. I mean, how, how are we gonna get to a point with that red
0: light? Like, I'm already at that point when it was like five minutes into the match. I mean, like, he didn't have it for SummerSlam for his first match with Finn Balor, but then he had it with the whole Hell in a Cell. And then he had it for the next match, but like, how do you? I don't know. I can't. Was, like, yeah, remember Kane used to do it. He would just come out, choke slam people, and that was it. But that was it. It wasn't like an actual match. Staying in the red light. We get out of the red light.
1: I hope they do soon because that's it, it's terrible. I, I hated it. I hate it so much. It just takes away from the match for me. It doesn't add anything. It's not cool. It's not edgy. It doesn't make it scary, even though it was in Saudi with serial killers out there. just didn't, didn't do anything for me
0: and and i mean he has to have matches every week right you can't make him like a brock right i mean both of your your world whatever main event champions are just wrestling once a month or every i mean i know we talked about it a long time ago a kogan didn't fight every week or whatever but i feel like this day and age you have to have your main champion on the show to help bring that program along right i mean carry that you know well, that's the, the, the wagons.
2: difference you said Hogan didn't wrestle every month, but you know, well, we, yeah. it's not like he wouldn't be going to the barber shop and cutting an interview or sure, yeah, you know what I'm saying. We're we we got to a point where we were going weeks without seeing Paul Heyman or Brock Lesnar, and it was ridiculous. Yeah. We're at least, you know what, we might get a, a, a Firefly Funhouse, you know, once a week or, or or something fucking entertaining because I mean, it's a very complex character. It's not just the fiend. He's got just Bray Wyatt and his little group of retarded fucking puppets. <laughs> well, well, how about this? Give me one guy. Who do you think is going to be
0: the guy on each brand? Who's going to be the next WWE? Who's going to be the next Universal? Just by looking at what brands they're on now. Uh, is there, Does anybody come to mind at least for maybe who you want to win or, as opposed to who do you think will win it? For, for like me, for like the WWE Championship, I want to see that go to like Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens is on Raw. Even though he spent the whole program trying to get Shane off of SmackDown, they fucking moved him to Raw. So, I don't know. I would like to see a, like a Kevin Owens beat Brock or somebody different. Like,
2: who who could be different on that show? Was, was he even on Raw this week? That was the other no, thing. No, he wasn't. It, it's, it, it's mind-boggling. We built him up. And that's like a fuck you for not going to Saudi, I'm sure. Yeah. But, you know... But we can have Sami Zayn do fucking jobs to goddamn fucking scrubs <laughs> from NXT, where the crowd is looking. I thought these were developmental guys, and here we are chasing fucking Sami Zayn down. <laughs> Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. I mean, I love the segment, but I mean, come on, man. Well, who do I you know think's your, gonna I take know the
0: championships team. off him? That's a, who do you think's gonna win? Who's gonna be the next champion?
2: I I could see I could see a Samoa Joe. I could see an Aleister Black on Raw. Uh, for SmackDown, I could see a Roman. I could see a Bron. Uh, fucking Roman! I forgot he's on there. Yeah, well, you know what? we've been all been very happy. I've been happy. You know what? There's a lot of guys we're fucking we're forgetting about. Bobby Lashley? How about that? How about a fucking?
1: I don't care for Bobby Lashley right now, unfortunately. It I don't sucks. either.
2: But okay, what about a Drew McIntyre?
1: That's. I uh, that was just gonna say that name. That's the guy they got to go with. For uh, I'm going to steal the words of Mark Henry. Every time they bring up Drew McIntyre, he goes grown ass man, Drew McIntyre. Yeah, because yeah, he, I, he's the man that I think needs to take that WWE title and just shoot into the stars.
0: When you said Roman, I got, like, that vomit taste in my mouth because I'm like, fuck, they're just going to probably (laughs) – they're going to turn him into super fucking man and beat the Fiend because only he can, and I don't want – like, that's the thing is, like, I feel like he's past that right now. I don't want him to, like, build somebody else up. It's 2020 coming up. Like, give us a new face to to wear that fucking championship, and oh, out of these two guys, like I said before, I mean –
2: uh, why? why? not give it to why? Braun?
0: The dude can at least fit fucking semis. At least give it to another superhuman
2: being or something. But let me, let me ask you this, Credo. Yeah. Because I'm getting heated over here about this. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 very very like. Here we are. We just put the belt on the fiend, right? Hmm. And. He hasn't even had this belt a week. <laughs> I know he's not. We're recording days, it on Thursday. <laughs> you're already looking for the next title change. <laughs> let the fucking guy run with it. He's literally is a new guy with the fucking title. Who's gonna be the next guy? How about we let the new guy they just put on there fucking have a run? Right, we let Kofi have it for six months. That's you
1: true. need That's to just swel- a relax, we're, relax we're,
2: Slow down, rest- bro. Submit Fucking down tug on now. your pecker once in a while. Learn to edge yourself. So you rest- I edging? Just, That's just when you don't gone. blow your load. You know, you're about to, but you just stop. <laughs> just relax.
0: And relax. get your discount at Bluetooth. Use promo code AWP because if anybody's going to blow a load, it might as well be yourself. AWP, promo code. Boom. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
1: Anyway,
2: God damn. Let
1: guys let me ask you guys a question. okay um, So we saw the w- WCW invasion and then the Nexus invasion start off hot and then they just got buried. Do you guys have the same fears as I do? that Vince is going to bury the NXT guys, or are we actually going to see something positive out of this?
0: It it has to be positive. It has to be. Because now that you have this other brand going against another company, you have to make them the dominant thing. It's like one of those things to where Roman doesn't need the belt. He's beyond the belt, right? Like, Raw's (laughs) beyond this win. SmackDown's way beyond this win. NXT needs it just to make them a verified, bona fide you know, triple, whatever, third brand uh, powerhouse. Like, they need to give it to NXT. If it, g- it goes to anybody else, it's fucking stupid. Like, they need to, to make it. I love Tommaso Ciampa's promo this week. Uh, welcome to the A-Show. You know, like, they always talk about going to, being called up the main to the, roster. the main roster. Welcome, and then he welcomed them to the A-Show. That I thought that was brilliant. Uh, and that's, I don't know, long story short, NXT needs it. They
1: need it. They need it, especially in this ratings war. They yes. desperately need a win. Yes.
2: Well, you know, you 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 brought up the uh, the WCW invasion that that was Vince pissing on the ashes of of, of WCW because you know he could. Uh, when you compare the Nexus angle, you, you're talking about people who they really consider developmental talent. You know, on their first night coming in there and and, and just wreaking havoc you know you knew that that wasn't gonna last they were gonna let them come in hot and 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 fucking cool them off quick it's just a nice way to introduce them i think they're literally looking at nxt as they want these people to be perceived as established stars and if they deviate from that i think it's going to be the biggest mistake but we've seen them make it before so i don't know Yeah. Well, John
1: Cena comes in and beats the entire well, roster. Oh, my goodness. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: either oh way. Oh, God. You know way. what? I got it, Credo. Watch that. The best way to end this show right now is for me to tell you who's going to beat The Fiend. The greatest idea ever had. Uh-oh. Somebody get James Ellsworth on the phone. And I'm out, <laughs> bitches. Peace. Uh,
0: Anotherwrestlingpodcast.com every fucking right. week
2: i won't be here <laughs> next week i'm
0: going to disney world thanks cooter fuck that one get a vacation <laughs> next week <sighs> but tune in until right. the following week when we got ken shamrock no bs it's
1: it's yeah, happy. He's, he's not he's not happy about the bmf title but you get to listen to that next next week or next next week two awesome weeks dot yes